Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics. We are joined today by the man who's at the front of all the news right now, the 43rd Attorney General of the State of Missouri, Eric Schmidt. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Can I tell you a story? All right, somewhere in Missouri, there's a five-year-old little kid. He's looking, he won't, shows up to school, excited. His first day of school, full of wonder and excitement. The government straps a mask on his face and says, don't touch it. What a deflating thing for a little kid. No one in state government gave a damn about that kid except for you. Why did you finally step up, the only person in state government that cared, and say, I want to help this little kid? Well, I fundamentally don't believe in forced masking of kids. And I think the parents ought to be able to make that decision based on science and based on evidence and based on facts. This idea that the government is um, taking this much control over people's lives, it's time to stay enough because the, the facts and the evidence don't support it. There's no widespread study, and this is very difficult for the opponents of this to accept, there's no widespread study that supports this. In fact, there's a growing body of evidence that for that five-year-old kid, um, and including the younger you get, um, there's a lot of challenges associated. School becomes more difficult. Uh, learning becomes more difficult. There's emotional and psychological issues. There's acne. There's irritation. There's all kinds of issues associated with the forced masking it's of our kids. just being five years old. Right. And there's no justification for it. There really isn't. And they're operating out of fear. And I refuse to genuflect to this altar of virtue signaling that's been established. And by the way, when you do it, they come after you. They come after <laughs> you, right? But I don't care because yeah. I'm telling you, um, they keep moving the goalpost. It was, you're vaccinated. You don't have to wear a mask. There's no end to this, by the way, because what they've never answered is, what's the criteria by which that five-year-old doesn't have to wear a mask anymore? Okay, because there isn't any evidence and data yep. to support it now. Is this going to go on Just in perpetuity? some liberal bureaucrat feels like it. Exactly, and that is the real, the broader issue here, is how much control are we going to see the government over our kids? Shouldn't parents be able to make these decisions for their kids? Shouldn't families be able to make these decisions? So for me, it's taking the power out of the hands of the bureaucrats and giving it back to families. Well, I'll tell you, let me be the first, but I won't be the last. If you show up to an elementary school, you'll notice there's no coffee <laughs> mugs today. Cold milk, just like the kids you're helping. And I tell you what. Now, was that five-year-old wearing a Cardinal jersey on the first sure day? Was. He sure uh, was. He probably was. a Cardinal fan with the rest through the first of the month. Here's the problem I have with these things. That science should be based off logic, right? And I'm going to ask you this. Rockwood School District, do you think the school board members wear a mask all day at their jobs? Of course not. And you know what they'd say? Well, I'm vaccinated. Well, I have a 12-year-old also, and that's, she's vaccinated. Doesn't matter. Their science should be based on logic. I don't see any logic. Well, and here are the facts. Um, every death is a tragedy, and we should take this virus very seriously. But the facts are there's not been a 10-year-old that's passed away from COVID. There have been five under the age of 18. If you're relatively healthy and under the age of 25, you've got about a one in a million shot of dying from COVID. If you've been vaccinated, you're as, you're as likely to be struck by lightning as to die from COVID. You have a one in 138,000 chance. Those are the odds. So does it mean we don't take it seriously? Of course not. But there has to be some sense of proportionality. There has to be some context here. Because if it's just about fear to get your way, let me tell you, a lot of these local bureaucrats who got a lot of power about a year ago standing in front of that microphone don't and saying, give it don't up. walk out of your house, yep. don't go to this store, put a mask on your face, they don't want to give it up. So this is a much larger debate about liberty, about freedom, in facts, and science. And that's why we feel so strongly about it. And that's why um, I'm completely unafraid in taking this fight on because we won in St. Louis County and a million people now don't have to wear a mask because the government tells them to. And certainly our school-age kids, where there's very, very low risk of contracting, transmitting, or getting seriously ill from, uh, Ill from COVID, um, there's no justification for this. And they just want to operate on fear. So I we're, we're taking them to court. The legislature passed a law last year 
Now, if, if the St. Louis County would have enacted this mask ordinance in late April, I, I think health departments might be closed to the whole state. But they did this after session. So during session, they passed a law that says you can issue a health order, like a mask order, stay at your house. But you have to at some point go get the elected body, the legislature, to pass that and, and confirm it. In St. Louis City, they've kept it. In St. Louis County, they've said, no, you had to get involved, but finally you won the case. I thought that's a common sense thing. For such a wide-ranging order, you should have public support, right? Absolutely. And, by the way, just because it's, you, there's no something like, it, just because it's a local government doesn't mean that decision's infallible. Because on one yeah. hand, we're saying these decisions fall within the bucket. By the way, a lot of these local governments in St. Louis County have said, well, that law doesn't even apply to us. Well, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then secondly, it can't be an arbitrary and capricious decision. So, for example, with our lawsuit against the school districts um, that are forced masking our kids, we're saying, look, you, you didn't base this on anything. There's no science behind this. There's no facts. There's no evidence behind this. And it's also important to put in context, it's about 10% of the schools out there doing this. About 90% of Missouri schools aren't forcing the masking of our kids, okay? And if you want to talk about masking, the numbers in the city where they have a forced mask mandate is going, are going up. In the county, they're going down. If you look at the states that are doing well, if you compare the school districts, by the way, that didn't have a requirement and did, it, there's, again, the, the, the schools that didn't have a forced mask mandate last year, their numbers were better than those that did. So, again, this isn't based on logic. It's not based on science. It's about, it's, it's about control, and it's about power, and that's what we're fighting against. But, you know, to me, there's a difference in mask orders. I think Sam Page means well. I think he truly believes this is the best thing for his constituents, as I believe Tashara Jones does. Now, if you're a grown-up, you can choose to leave. You can choose to move. You can, I mean, Steve Elman, this is the helmet coal of the St. Louis area. You can go to West Germany if you want to. But if you're a five-year-old kid and you have a relative that's forcing you to stay there, you're trapped. It's yeah, different. I, look, that's true. But I also don't think that that working mom that's working two jobs so her kid can have a better life should have to move, to have to sell her house to have the freedom that she should enjoy to make these important decisions for herself. That's what this fight is all about. Um, I just think that people, um, it, because if this is the road we're going down, there is no end to it because COVID is with us. It's not going away next month. There are going to be peaks and there are going to be valleys. And if every time we see an uptick in contraction or something, we're going to have businesses being shut down, livelihoods destroyed, kids being forced to wear masks all day long. It's not, just, it's not based on anything uh, on science, and it's certainly not a country. I, I said this, and this clip went viral. I said, don't you think using fear is a good thing to get people to do these sorts of things? I said, this is... That's the way of that's that's how tyrants and dictators have operated since the beginning of time and to aggregate, accumulate and exert power. And I don't want the United States of America is the freest country in the history of the world. And I do not want to live in some futuristic dystopian biomedical security state. And as attorney general, I'm going to do everything I can to protect people's individual rights. I think that may have got you free milk in every elementary school for life. You may never buy another carton again. <laughs> when do you expect the judge to start judging and helping these kids? Well, in the in the, uh, uh, the school case, um, we essentially it's a reverse class action. So the next phase will be establishing the class. So the school districts that are part of that. If we you're, want to move if you're a little kid, when can you expect to get help? When? Well, we're seeking injunctive relief, so we're going to move as quickly as we can. Um, we also want to get discovery. And we're asking for discovery in St. Louis City and in St. Louis County. What are you basing this on? The emails, the correspondence. What do you base? And by the way, they are terrified of this. They're terrified of the public knowing what they're actually basing this on or what they're not basing it on. So we're in this. We're in the fight. I'm not going away. 
Um, this is a very important issue for the state of Missouri. And as their attorney general, I'm going to fight for the people. I don't represent some bureaucrat making these decisions that's never going to be questioned. I represent the people. Well, I look forward to getting back in the house and telling my son, we just call him 24601, that maybe someone's coming to help him. <laughs> Let's talk about the campaign, running for Senate. Uh, you got what is now three opponents running at you. Uh, how's the campaign going? It's going great. I mean, we set a record for fundraising in the first quarter coming out of the gate, $1.3 million from individual donors across the state. That's a record for anybody that's ever announced for the United States Senate out of the gate. Um, and as I go around, uh, I was in St. Charles and at the, um, you know, at the, at the watermelon feed um, uh, in Joplin and Neosho, as you get around the state, there's a lot of energy. People, are, people want a fighter, and they see what I've done. They see what my record is. They want somebody to go to Washington, D.C., who's going to take these issues on. Uh, in this really important fight to save America. And I, by the way, I don't mean that rhetorically. I mean that literally. When you've got the left right now in Congress and in the Senate wanting to add states to the union to get their way, pack the Supreme Court to get their way. Cory Bush was just tweeting about that recently, uh, who want to federalize our election laws and undermine election integrity. This is serious. And you need serious people that go up there who are committed, lifelong conservatives who are going to fight that fight. And that's why I'm running for the it Senate. It feels like there's been uh, some energy injected. You started winning some of these cases. These cases, I guess, come slowly. Uh, tell folks about one you won about immigration. It's hard to get your head around how Missouri could actually change a federal policy, but, but explain how your lawsuit helped change how the border is maintained. Well, I view my role as attorney general as on the front line of freedom and the last line of defense. And when it comes to border security, Missouri certainly has an interest. We just had, uh, uh, we led a 12-state human trafficking raid just a couple of Fridays ago with over 100 arrests, 48 victims saved. Human trafficking and taking that on has been a focus of our office. What we know is when you have an open border, you see an increase in drug trafficking and human trafficking. That's what's happening at the southern border right now. Over 1.1 million people have come here legally that we know of. And this is all because... President Trump had a very successful policy. It was called the Migrant Protection Protocols or the Remain in Mexico policy, where if you were coming here seeking asylum um, from Central or South America, Mexico was the waiting room. While you waited for your asylum hearing, you were in Mexico while you were waiting. Biden changed that, this reflexive kind of anti-Trump, everything Trump ever stood for, they wanted to change on day one. And so what happened? Now people come across the border. They're, while they wait for their hearing, they're released into the interior of the United States and they're never seen again. And this is big business for the cartels. Some really bad people taking advantage of people along the way, trying to seek asylum, who, if they can get them across the border, they're released in the United States. That's why you've seen this surge in immigration, a 21-year high in illegal immigration. And when we, we took that case, we filed along with Texas. We won at the district court level. We won at the appellate court level. And the Supreme Court in a 6-3 decision agreed with Missouri and said, yeah, you have to go back to President Trump's policy, which was working. I, don't, I have not seen Joe Biden go back on those steel tariffs. Dick Gephardt, a few of uh, local Missouri folks in labor, I don't think are clamoring for him to go back on those steel tariffs. So not everything Trump did, he's, he's tried to erase. Yeah, well, I think it's been on immigration energy uh, right off the bat. He took those issues on, and we're fighting him tooth and nail. We're going to take that fight to Joe Biden every single time, um, and we're leading the way. I mean, I'm very proud that Missouri's leading the way and pushing back against this federal government overreach, and then when we see the overreach at the local level, we're not going to be afraid to take that on, too. One more thing. It just seems like, you know, President Biden comes in. I think everybody wants to see a new president do well when you get someone elected. And I think Joe Biden's a nice man. I think he's a good man. When, the, when Afghanistan was so horribly handled, it just felt like some air came out of uh, the things he's doing. And it felt like there was a, a push. And you hate to say it, but politics is a zero-sum game. It felt like Republicans gained by just 
maybe just incompetence being put on the world stage. That, that's the right word is incompetence. And um, I think by Joe Biden's policies, whether it's canceling the Keystone XL pipeline or the, allowing the border to be completely open and supporting amnesty, it's really been a betrayal of the American worker. Okay, that's to me how I would describe his presidency so far. And what we saw in Afghanistan was a betrayal of the American soldier. The idea that you would leave there and leave soldiers behind to create the scenario where um, you tragically had a Missouri soldier um, who was killed in, in that suicide bomb was completely avoidable, uh, was all due to incompetence, and uh, we're right to be outraged by it. And so, uh, look, we're all Americans. We root for America. We want, we support our military. When you see the commander-in-chief act that way and be that incompetent in how he executed a plan, it's very concerning because our enemies are watching too, and that, I think that's what's really um, troublesome. Attorney General Eric Schmidt, thank you for joining us. Great to be with you. We'll be right back on the show with our Opinion Maker panel. But first, go check out the history of Madison County. All kinds of beautiful things down Highway 67, Missouri's Main Street on showmissouri.com. This is Missouri One County at a time. We'll be right back after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state. Helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. Welcome back to Week in Missouri Politics. We're joined by David Barclay, Dean of the Missouri Republican Party. Welcome back, sir. Thanks, sir. Mr. South County GOP, Jamie Murphy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I like the suit. Thanks. Good. Sharon Jones, probably the person we invited on a ton has never came. We finally, the blackmail finally worked, and we've got her on the show this week. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. And Ryan Hawkins, the man with the quality suit, sport coat. I love it. Thank you, sir. Let's start right off. Your man Biden came out and said... uh, it's no longer about safety. It's work. You're going to do this. You're we don't do care it. anymore. I, his frustration level is the same as a lot of our frustration level with the unvaccinated that are saying, you know, selfishly, we're just going to do what we want. And, you know, he's he's now saying that you, it's it's I loved it last night on social media that completely misunderstanding that it's not a vaccine mandate. It's if you're unvaccinated, you need to get tested. What under, 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 one under of the reasons I enjoy our friendship is because yeah. you're a thoughtful person. If there's people out there that have access to a vaccine that can keep yeah. them getting COVID and they don't want to take it, yeah. why don't you just let them get COVID? Because, they, well, I think that their liberty to do that infringes on my liberty to stay alive. Because if they get COVID, they're more likely to spread it and make everyone else sick. Look, this is not, if you this, have a is vaccine. Be, this is not, if I have a vaccine, it's like we talked about the NFL. 
right? If you are, concussions happen in the NFL, right? You wear a helmet to reduce the risk of getting a concussion, right? It doesn't prevent concussions 100%. So what we're talking about here is do the right thing for public health. Let's get over this pandemic. Let's stop being selfish and, and get off social media and stop being Facebook doctors. David Barklage, it, it, I wonder if this is going to be counterproductive in the sense that most people that, that, that contract with the federal government, it's not some small guy in a garage contract with the federal government. It's big companies. Big companies were on their way. The market was on their way to mandating this. Is this going to get, and, and generally Republican politicians don't want to push back too much on business. That's why you're a Republican. Is this going to change that dynamic? Well, I, I think I would step back a second. One, I'd say I think Ryan is very thoughtful and sincere. I'm not so sure this policy was. I think you have to really look at it for what it was and the timing, and that is what it looks to me like political advisors are running the White House, not the president, because what happened, you don't drop a policy like this the day before or two days before September 11th, 20-year anniversary, if you are not trying to change the topic. And what I believe it is is... It is a very clever way to try to change the topic away from Afghanistan. When the, the discussion is Afghanistan, the president is upside 80-10, 80, 80-20 sure. at best. And then you take the 20th anniversary, it's toxic, if not maybe even a death nail. And so the president is betting that Republicans will say, oh, another shiny coin, another controversial policy, and rush to debate that. And so that tomorrow, as people remember Afghanistan, uh, that people won't remember and connect Afghanistan and his failures, to 9-11, and I, I think what we're basically seeing is a very clever, very uh, bad smokescreen, because it will come at the policy, it will come at the cost of lives. If that's what he did, it is very clever. Yeah, but it'll probably it, work. Yeah, well, except the thing is, everybody's going to bite into it. I don't think it's constitutional. I think all it's going to do is make it harder to save lives. I think you're very sincere in wanting you know, to see us do the right thing, but when, you, when a policymaker does this, he sets back, actually, the cost. Jamie Murphy, if the ultimate strategist is right... And he might be. I mean, while that's cynical and not good, it sounds like a good idea for Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden's trying to do anything he can to save his presidency at this point. I'm not convinced that putting this burden on business. I mean, if you look at the typical American business during the pandemic, you've shut them down. You've mandated how many people they're allowed to have in their stores when they're reopened. You've mandated what they have to do to reopen. Not in talking about the supply chains trying to get product. There's already businesses that are trying to pre-order for Christmas right now because they can't get the stuff if they wait till October. And now you're going to make them the health police on their employees. And oh, by the way, the if you don't do this, we'll just fire you or $14,000 in fines. They can't find somebody to replace that person. What does this do to our economy? And at what point do we say we've had enough? I, I kind of felt like major companies were on the way to doing this. I think also you lobby the legislature. It is usually the W-2 Republicans that want to tell business how to create jobs. But if you're Dale Wright and you actually have created jobs, if you're the rep from Farmington, you're a, you're a successful businessman. Were you on the way to doing this before Joe Biden gets involved and makes it more complex? Well, I think that's an interesting point. My understanding is this policy applies to companies with 100 or more employees. Mm -hmm. That's actually not that many companies. Mm -hmm. The vast majority are under that, aren't going to be burdened by this at all. And that's especially our local people like Dale Wright. So I think that what it's actually going to do is not much. Target's already doing it. Um, a lot of the major retailers are already doing it. It's not going to have a huge impact except for those few people who don't treat their employees well, who aren't offering them time to go get the vaccine, who aren't giving them the testing. 
and what we really need is employees to feel comfortable going back into the workplace. That's going to fix our labor shortage problem. Mm -hmm. This is a way to do that. You think that's where it gets? I mean, you're in central Missouri, so you have Columbia, very liberal folks. you got Ashland, pretty much not. Are people in Ashland getting comfortable yet? People in Ashland, I don't think we're ever not Are people in Columbia getting comfortable yet? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the thing. I will say I, I, I have a lot of friends who are in the restaurant business as servers not and some that are owners. And their answer is if it's a good employee and a good employer, it works out great. I know a lot of people who left really bad workplaces to go to better ones doing the same thing. Hey, Scott, can I jump real quick on, and, yeah. and just I want to uh, point out on something David said, you know, about, I, I, I get it, that it may be a wag the dog type situation in some people's minds, but let's look at the number of deaths in just the last week of August for COVID alone was 47,000. That's more than 9-11 and the 20 years we spent in Afghanistan combined. It is the issue and the number one issue that this president needs to take care of. I agree. And to, and to your point about what, what freedoms are we getting after, I love the speech, now do women's health because you're taking away women's health care and stripping away those rights, while on the other hand saying, oh, but don't make me do this. Well, well, that up. It's, it's I want to talk about Jamie Murphy, someone I know okay. is pro-life to the core. The Texas, Texas uh, law, which basically would eliminate abortions in Texas for the most part, the Supreme Court said, thumbs up, that's fine. I assume there's already people drafting things in Senate research to do that in Missouri. Oh, I'm sure there's absolutely. I'm not sure the Supreme Court said, okay, your law is fine. I think they said that the challenge wasn't right with the current circumstance. Because if you actually looked at how they ruled, it's kind of clever in the way they did it. It's the state of Texas isn't actually the person responsible for defending the law. So therefore, there's no really defendant in the lawsuit. You have a plaintiff with no defendant. And the court kind of thought this was legal gymnastics and quite weird. But, I mean, I would look at abortion... uh, as you know, legalized murder, right? At some point you have to say, where does life begin? And if I draw that line of conception, any, anything that kills that life prematurely caused by man from that point on. David Barglidge, if the dog catches the car, if the Republicans in this state finally ban abortion, are they going to like what they've got? You know, I, I, I think the problem is, is that if, when Missouri bans abortion, New York makes abortion you know, free and or easy Illinois. everywhere in Illinois. And so it is an interesting question. I, I think that that everybody, again, is blowing up for political purposes this ruling. It's not near as impactful or wide as people are saying. Mayor Elizabeth Coleman, who's one of the leaders mm-hmm. in pro-life movement in Missouri, is working on response. And she's, you know, she's very measured in it because she understands, as he just described, that the Texas ruling is not a end-all of... Well, she would ban abortion. Honestly, from a position of, of sincere care... Passionately ban abortion. Yes. Is she going to like it if she does? Well, I think so. I think because she cares a great deal about uh, the sanctity of life. Janet Jones, you're a very pro-life person. Are they going to like it if they get it? Well, as the only person in the room with a uterus, <laughs> I would point out they already have it. And no, they don't. And, and part of that is because, you know, to add to the cynicalness of the panel, uh, Missouri Right to Life has to have a reason to exist. So they So have. does every interest group. They That's do. not anything I agree. particular. They unique. absolutely and do. And nor have we but ever defined debates by who had a uterus or who had a penis. Whoops. And and it's really not appropriate in debate to try to cast color, sex, or all those kinds of things in, in terms fairness, of giving people David, the right to have a voice. In this issue? I'm adopted. So if abortion laws were as they were when I was born, I probably would never have been born. But my point so is So that gives me a unique it. perspective, doesn't they it? They did it last time. They did. They have banned abortion. You cannot get a, an abortion 
in Missouri under our current system. And they are talking about doing more. My point is there will always be more that they want to do. They will never be happy. It will never be enough. Because if they do, if they pass a Texas bill, which would have banned abortion Mm -hmm. essentially in Missouri, or or Missourians, is that where they're going to say, well, no, wait a minute. That's maybe too far. Well, I think that uh, it's a political show, so let's let's talk about the politics of this for a second. Uh, You have 675,000 female voters in this state that are under the age of 40. You are stripping away health rights. You are seeing voter suppression being passed by the GOP. You are completely losing an entire generation of voters. So we play chess on this for a second. It might have been win a battle, not going to win the war. If you start continuing down this path, I'm going to continue to bring up every time that somebody says, I have the individual health right to not wear a mask. I don't need to get a vaccine. And yet you're taking women's health rights away. Prediction. Will this a similar bill to the Texas bill pass in Missouri? this session? Yes. What do you think? Absolutely. What do you think? 100%. Yeah. I think you're right. Let's talk about politics. David Barker got a U.S. Senate race. Interesting. Let's talk about the 7th down in Springfield. Yes, sir. Billy Long's running for U.S. Senate. You've got Senator Moon, Senator Burleson are running. Uh, former Senator Jay Watts is a name I've heard. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll disclose that, uh, that uh, I favor Jay Watson in that race. I've Come known on. Jay for years. He's a very, very strong uh, public leader. He's one of those ones that puts I think leadership and policy first, but it'd be a very good race. I think Eric Burleson has some really good early advantages. Good fundraising out of the gate. He does. I think Jay Wasson, however, has sort of the stability of he comes from the growth area. He has resources. He has relationships. I think he wins a long race. I think Eric may be ahead today. I think he ends up winning. I think Mike Moon, Sam Alexander, the other candidates are all more in Burleson's lanes. And so I yeah. think it creates a traffic jam in one lane. David Murphy, people underestimate Kia, Mike Moon. Very good campaigner. And will work tirelessly, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty and accurate. And probably the most of the votes he takes may be coming with Senator Burleson. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting, the bottleneck that they create there. Um, I don't know much about that race. I'm clearly on the other side of the state for a minute. Yep. Um, you know, and I know, I know Mike Moon. I know Senator Burleson and Senator Wasson personally. And I think all of them would be... Don't underestimate Ron Richard. I mean, can you imagine if you're in Joplin and you say you're not voting for Jay Watson, what Ron Richard would do to you? Be a long, be a long day. Talk about this U.S. Senate race. I've sure. heard a lot of folks. The Republican side has been discussed back and forth. There's some Democrats running. Sure. Senator Scott Sidman, somebody I know very well, think very highly of. Um, there's some other candidates, but Lucas Coons came on the scene, raised a lot of money. Raised a lot of money, has a lot of, um, raises profile, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. I think that those two, I think uh, Senator Sifton and Lucas Kuntz are going to battle it out. Um, I think it's a, it, it, it's good to see a primary that's, you know, two candidates going at it. I, you get into the Republican primary with 19 different candidates, it, 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 it's going to be interesting. It's a, it's a one-on-one. They're going to have to raise money. They're going to have to show their profile, and they're going to have to show some um, uh, sure, I'll enjoy hearing Scott Sifton talk about issues again. It will be good. I yeah. mean, he is a policy person through and through. I think the Democratic field is getting just as crowded as the Republican field. It's just with names nobody's ever heard of before. I know of four people who've declared on the Democratic side for Senate. It becomes problematic, um, and it will drain resources for whoever goes up against Eric Greitens. Our time's becoming very crowded, so who won the week, David? I, I, I think who won the week were the tens of thousands of supporters who came from all over to show the respect to Lance Corporal Jared Schmidt, who was born the same year the conflict started, I think it should remind all of us that uh, sacrifice and service will not be forgotten. Who won the week? 
I think Eric Schmidt, I think he's writing a Christmas card to Joe Biden right now for this gift that he just handed him. <laughs> Who on the week? Uh, MEC and Nick Schroer. I think they're both going to have a really good piece of legislation for their primary race. Mm. Who on the week? I'm going to go with Jason Kander. Opened up his Veterans Community Project here in St. Louis. And I'm also going to give a shout out to the folks that are running the Ascension uh, Golf Charity Classic, raising a lot of money for North St. Louis. I'm going to go with uh, Senator J.J. Rizzo tomorrow night in Jeff City. If you're possibly around, come join us. We're going to have the roast of uh, Cinder Rizzo. It's going to be a very good time. We have a good good group of roasters, and we're going to raise some money for the charity of his choice. So we hope you'll come join us Monday night, and you'll join us back here next week on This Week in Missouri Politics. Sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank.